Have you ever considered that the food you eat could be coming from a petri dish in the future? This new and emerging field is called cellular agriculture, also known as cell egg. Yeah, no, I would have never imagined that the U of A would be developing an institute for cell egg in partnership with New Harvest and Cult Food Science, let alone really know about cellular agriculture prior to indulging myself in this research. So it'll be really interesting to observe how the community of students, researchers, farmers, and scientists will adapt to this. Join us in this episode of Terra Informa as we explore the possibilities of cell ag for various environmental and sociological concerns. From food extinction to food security in the midst of the climate crisis, we will break down the misconceptions around cell ag and highlight its potential to develop inclusive research spaces. You're listening, You're listening. You're listening. to Terra Informa. My name is Megan Pasaluzny. And I'm Jenny Kim. Before we begin, we would like to acknowledge that this episode was produced in Treaty 6 territory in Emiskoti, Wiskaigan, Beaver Hills House, or so-called Edmonton. We are broadcasting from unrecognized Papa Chase Cree territory. The Papa Chase Cree were displaced following consistent efforts from local officials like Frank Oliver to discredit the legitimacy of their treaty right to this territory and to reserve number 136, which is now South Edmonton. Not confined to history, this region is also the present homeland of many First Peoples who build their lives here, pursue livelihoods, and gather together, including Cree, Métis, Blackfoot, and Dene. Wherever you're listening from, we ask you to consider whose version of history informs your understanding of the land you're on. While cell egg transforms cell cultures into food, food systems are directly linked to the land, its histories, and places of research, which use the land for developing technologies. We recognize the relationship that these histories have to the land which provide for us. So, what is cell egg? Just like the word implies, it's the cultivation of food products from cells, which include plant and animal cells. Upon our interview with an expert in the field of cell egg, any type of agricultural food products that you see, such as chocolate, coffee, honey, steak, or eggs, can be cultivated in a lab rather than getting these products from their natural form. We'd like to introduce Dr. Yadira Tejeda Saldana, Director of Responsible Research and Innovation at New Harvest, which is a nonprofit research institute that supports open public cultured meat research. Growing up in Mexico and later completing a bachelor's degree in food chemistry, Dr. Yadira went on to earn her PhD in microbiological food safety research. Clearly, she has an extensive background in food science and shared with us some common misconceptions surrounding cell ag foods and what it's really all about. So really, there is like a, a, like a open book to create a, a lot of things using, using cell cultures. And I think some of the misconceptions that sometimes I hear when I say cellular agriculture or I mention culture meat, for example, people get confused with plant-based products and they think like, oh, like the Beyond Burger. And it's like, no, because that's really produced by using plant proteins. And what we are trying to do with cellular agriculture is create the same or a similar product as close as possible as the animal or the plant version that we have, because we are harvesting the cells from those tissues, proliferating them and really uh, multiplying them uh, to create uh, the products that we want. 
So Dr. Udir was actually also the former executive director and founding member of Cellular Agriculture Canada in 2019, which is the first interdisciplinary not-for-profit shaping the field of cell egg in Canada. And now working with New Harvest, she's using her expertise in responsible research and policy to build a transparent, safe, and equitable cell egg ecosystem. I would say in general, the food industry has been seen as not really transparent with the information that it shares with consumers. And more and more consumers are willing to know where their food comes from. And that's something that we've seen through history in the food industry. I feel now with cellular agriculture and what we are seeing right now with so many private investment and a lot of information kept in in private in the private sector, we also have an opportunity to change or to shift that and to be more transparent with consumers really sharing how these products are being manufactured, what the composition of these products is going to be, also sharing data with regulators as well so that they can uh, make informed decisions so when they approve or when they are approving this product. In environmental sociology, there is a concept called the treadmills of agriculture, and it's an idea that explains how farmers feel like they're always racing to be competitive in the market by consistently adopting new technologies that increase production. And these technologies help their operations, but with the increased adoption in the industry, it creates cascading environmental and economic effects. Some examples of this concept in action are synthetic fertilizers becoming more common, the use of antibiotics in cattle to increase their growth, or the seed industry creating a monopoly on farmers' planting methods. It seems like within agriculture, these technologies not only provide solutions and maximize output, but also create dependencies for farmers to navigate, especially during climate change. The concept of agricultural treadmills also makes us wonder, what impact do these technologies have on the environment and the farmers who use them? This makes us think of pesticides, or what's known as the pesticide treadmill in agriculture. A farmer uses pesticides to protect their crops. However, insects become resistant to these chemicals, which leads to the use of more chemicals at higher concentrations, which continues on. As farmers run on this pesticide treadmill, the dependent use of these chemicals has toxic consequences for soil and organism biodiversity, which in the end affects crops and the environment in a harmful way. And it's easy to see how the race to adopt new technologies isn't always sustainable. So in an article we found online called The Museum of Endangered Foods, as a direct result of climate change, some of our most common and favorite foods, such ingredients, such as avocados, honey, grapes, cacao, coffee, and bananas are subject to going extinct. A combination of modifying plants, their sensitivity in growing environments, drought, prolonged winters, and the growing number of wildfires across the globe all contribute to their endangered status. Coffee is an incredibly popular drink globally. So the thought of its production drastically decreasing in the next 10 years isn't a pleasant thought. But according to the findings from our research, supply won't be able to meet increasing demands. Coffee crops are very susceptible to climactic changes, especially as the number of pests and fungi grow with the temperature increases of global warming. The idea of the pesticide treadmill comes back in this coffee example, from farmers' increased pesticide use on coffee plants to harvest the most usable coffee beans. By using more chemicals, the organic matter in coffee soil is greatly reduced, which not only helps coffee plants grow, but contributes to the health of the surrounding ecosystem. Additionally, the livelihoods of coffee farmers around the world are impacted by factors like being forced to move to higher elevations, 
to grow stronger coffee crops in better soil and weather conditions. Many coffee farmers also face recurrent food insecurity between harvests for about three to four months each year, simply from not being able to produce enough money to cover basic costs of living. The sociological and environmental issues surrounding food systems can be very complex and at times unsustainable for crops and for people. And yet, Cell Egg introduces a whole new formula of agriculture that exempts the process of growing food that is directly affected by the climate crisis, which includes the impact of raising livestock for meat contributing to deforestation from land use and heightened greenhouse gas emissions. And this is where Cell Egg would fill in the gaps of being able to produce these endangered foods that traditional agriculture is facing difficulties producing, also offering an alternative solution for food systems that contribute to our environmental issues. We asked Dr. Yadira in what ways Cell Egg would create a sustainable food system. There's different aspects in sustainability. So we can talk about uh, environmental sustainability where there's a potential for cellular agriculture to produce certain products that will uh, have a lower greenhouse gas emission footprint. Still, there's a lot of research that needs to be done in order to assess if in general solar agriculture would help with greenhouse gas emissions, but uh, early studies suggest that, for example, with beef, it could produce less greenhouse gas emissions. It can also potentially use less water. And something also important is that the land that we might need for producing this product is going to be also less. So there are several benefits that still need to be confirmed that solar agriculture could help. Traditional, or in other words, current agriculture and farming is not simply about business and a means to generate income for families. It is an entire way of life where farms have been passed on for generations. And so, it's natural for skepticism and criticism to be the response of cell egg. Among some of the most typical concerns that are raised include, will cell egg take away thousands, millions of jobs of those in the agriculture field? Will cell egg replace traditional agriculture? With the growing population of the world in mind and along with the increase of the endangered food species, cell egg would just be another tool to feed the growing population on a planet with limited resources. As the world is constantly faced with growing rates of natural disasters, we won't have to rely on livestock and crops with cell egg, and we would be able to safely harvest food during otherwise impossible circumstances. So in other words, not only will cell egg strengthen the global food security, it holds the potential to lower the risk of global famine. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Terra Informa, a production of CJSR 88.5 FM. This week, we're exploring the industry of cellular agriculture with guest contributors Megan Posluzny and Jenny Kim. Let's keep listening. How would the rise of cell egg change the scene of traditional agriculture? In other words, our current agricultural system. And how do you think people will react to it? Uh, cellular agriculture is not here to substitute, uh, but it is here to fill in a gap that we're going to have in the future because the current food system is not going to be able to provide all the food that we will need if the population still increases without damaging more the planet. And we cannot afford that at this point. We really need to try to, to improve the environmental footprint of of the agri-food system. So I feel that cellular agriculture is among a diverse set of tools that we can use to help the conventional ag improve 
um, in terms of greenhouse gas emissions and really uh, work together with them to support a future production of food that will need to, to increase. So again, I feel right now we're such in early stages that we, we have the opportunity to start engaging in those conversations and start thinking what could be the best way in which all of us can work together in benefit of all of us at the end. While Dr. Yadira has clarified the common misconceptions of what cellular agriculture intends to do for food systems in the future, she also highlighted the importance of responsible research and innovation, especially as cell ag research is still very new and in development. We asked her what responsible research and innovation means for cell ag technologies. I think we can start with talking a bit of what's what's responsible research and innovation and why one of the reasons why we decided to adopt that in our in our titles is because I, I think that technologies technologies have have helped humanity a lot. Like we wouldn't be doing this podcast right now if it wasn't because of technology, and we wouldn't have the food that we eat currently if it wasn't because of science and technology either. So I feel technology has helped us improve our lives in a lot of ways, but there's also cases where technology hasn't been as successful and has maybe created some controversies or maybe it has failed. So I think it's important to consider that technologies are, maybe technologies themselves are neutral, but the way that we implement technologies will have a huge impact in how they are used in the world. Part of responsible research and innovation is really thinking about how these technologies could be used in the future, what potential implications they could have, and really engaging with society to understand if there's any fears, any challenges, or any misconceptions uh, about this technology, and really being proactive since the moment that we developed the technology. As we have heard, there's a large scope of things that need to be considered to make cell egg a responsible, innovative, and equitable technology. There are also many different fields that intersect when we think about cell egg, from agricultural and environmental sciences to sociological studies to regulation and policymaking. Dr. Yatira spoke more on how these spaces can be more inclusive in these developing conversations. This also talks about engaging with different sectors. So not only the public, but also getting engaged with policymakers so that they also understand the science and that they are able to develop regulations that are fair, that are based on evidence, and that they are going to help advance the technology or mitigate potential negative impacts of technologies. So it's all about bringing together different voices, uh, even from un- underrepresented communities as well, listen what they have to say, being really inclusive. Again, trying to think of the positive, but also the negative implications that a technology could have. As Dr. Yadira has mentioned, while technology itself is neutral, the way in which it is used or researched can determine if it causes more harm than good. We wanted to explore this issue further with Dr. Yadira, considering that much more research is needed in cell ag, and that it deals with complicated issues like food insecurity and environmental impacts of food systems.
what is the role of responsible research and policymaking to ensure that emerging technologies like cell egg provide more solutions to existing issues rather than add to existing problems? I feel part of it is thinking way in advance. So something that I've chatted with some of my colleagues is there's a phrase from the food safety side that is called food safety by design. And it's really thinking about food safety issues since the beginning of an innovation process and really including food safety all the way through the process until the product is finalized. I think that sustainability should be something similar. We, we should have sustainability by design, meaning that we, we should think about how we develop a product that is going to be sustainable at the end since we start thinking about the innovation process. Because if we wait until the end, then it's going to be really challenging to modify or to adapt the processes to really comply with sustainability standards. So it's better to think since the beginning, but I, I feel this is a really complex problem because sometimes in the market, when, when we are focused on market and economic incentives, sustainability might not be a priority in some in the in the minds of some people. And we need to to make sure that uh, we don't only think about the economic incentives, but also the the social incentives or the environmental incentives, which at the end of the day are also important and are also and, and are gonna play a key role in in society i feel we have right now with solar agriculture this opportunity of thinking how we can make this technology be for the good and be what a lot of the promises out there said that is going to be good for the environment good for the people and good for the animals and really try to think how we can implement those since the beginning of the innovation process Food safety by design, as Dr. Idira mentioned, reminds us of the concept of human-centered design, which is designing processes and technology with people as a first priority. It is important that amidst emerging cell egg conversations in these professional fields that we don't lose the voices of smaller communities like rural farmers across the world and indigenous communities in Alberta and beyond. While cell egg is very technology and sustainability focused, what does a people-focused approach look like to establishing this technology in Alberta and around the world? I feel one one major aspect would be connecting with different communities again since since the beginning of the of the innovation process. Something that uh, our team was really lucky to to be part of was uh, an event organized by the Food and Agriculture Institute actually last year, where there was there were people from diverse communities. We had Selah, farmers, indigenous community representatives. So it was really a diverse group. And we were all talking about the benefits or the challenges that cellular agriculture could bring into, into play in the, in the food system. Uh, so it was really interesting to hear, again, different points of view, and it really helped to understand or to be more aware of what things we need to be more careful about when we talk about technologies like, like cellular agriculture. So I think those kind of conversations are really important, and I feel they should happen more often so that 
uh, everyone learns from each other, which is really important. It's not only, I feel it's not only people developing the technologies that need to share knowledge, but it's also from other communities because we can learn a lot from all of them from a cultural perspective, for example. It's really important to understand that as well. An opportunity to practice food safety by design and encourage a people-first approach to research and development in the field is the Institute of Cellular Agriculture that is currently in development at the U of A's Agri-Food Discovery Place. Not only would this be an opportunity to include diverse communities in research, but also to engage students at the U of A in this growing and already quite massive global industry. We think it's important to understand the diverse stakeholders of cell ag, which is not only the innovators, but also the consumers and people who are currently working in agriculture. Do you think that the development of the Institute of Cell Ag at the U of A will be an opportunity for more generative conversations around how cell ag can be used and by whom? And what do you think this could look like? Yeah, I, I really hope that, that, yeah, that this is just the beginning of what could be a great collaboration with the University of Alberta, not only to develop the technologies, but also to provide a space where these kind of conversations can, can happen. Solar agriculture right now in Canada doesn't really have a home. So this is really the beginning of creating that, that home where we can develop the technologies, but we can also start thinking about potential so social implications that, that it could have. So yeah, I'm really, really excited about this collaboration and really hoping that starting point for uh, engaging with diverse stakeholders as well and communities around Canada. Another misconception about cell egg that we thought was interesting was that it's actually an international industry that is projected to be worth over $25 billion in the next 10 years. In Canada, Cell Egg is still largely in the works of research and gaining acceptance from people and farmers who are considering the idea of this new technology, which isn't really accessible yet here. So maybe Cell Egg hasn't reached its full potential as it has in other countries due to the current agriculture driving the economy in provinces like Alberta and Saskatchewan. However, other countries have been making huge leaps in Cell Egg. And according to an article called Cellular Agriculture on a website called Sentinel, the Netherlands, the United States of America, Israel, and Singapore are among the first to occupy the alternative meat space. For example, Singapore is the first country to grant regulatory approval for cell-based chicken nuggets. Wild. That's insane. Would you try a cell-based chicken nugget? I think I would, honestly. I'm, I'm down to try if it's a complete replica of meat. With, yeah, why not? Today, there are no specific policies surrounding the approval of cell egg products in Canada. However, there are Canadian cultivated meat companies, such as Appleton Meats, Future Fields, and Evolved Meats that are currently in research and development. Cell egg is not a small-scale startup industry. Its projected multi-billion dollar value across the world has been funded by Silicon Valley billionaires and tech entrepreneurs like Bill Gates, Sergey Brin, and Richard Branson, contributing to the hype surrounding its desirability and potential. And to add, 
we asked Dr. Yadira about what inspires her the most about Cell Egg. I guess what inspires me the most is the opportunity to improve the food system. We've learned so many things from past experiences um, in producing food that I feel that we have this one in a lifetime opportunity to not make the same mistakes and try to really help the crisis that we're facing right now with climate change. I think that's what motivates me to to do the work that we're doing, to really steer the technology to its best possible path so that it can actually help us. I really hope and that we can inspire more people, more students, more researchers, more policymakers to to join and to uh, learn about this technology and how can we all together can steer it so that it can help the public good. One of the examples that like really came to my mind thinking about cell egg and the implications behind it was, if you know, you know, there's a sriracha shortage. And I just thought that would be a company that could really benefit off cell egg. Um, the chilies, they could easily extract the cells needed to produce them in the petri dish at a lab and they would just be able to harvest the chilies that are that they're short on and make more sriracha and make and bring an end to the sriracha shortage honestly it's wild to think that something like a hot sauce a commodity that everyone just enjoys every day like the way that it was just suddenly not available in grocery stores was so mind-blowing because you just don't think that these things that we love and that we enjoy are gonna vanish from although it was temporary like vanish from the shelves in our favorite grocery stores you know so yeah Mm -hmm. and I think kind of echoing what Dr. Yudira was talking about really emphasizing this that this isn't a replacement to current agriculture practices but rather an addition to it is like a really important distinction that I think this whole idea of us wanting solutions to the climate crisis and food insecurity and food systems really got in the way of. Because at the end of the day, you know, we shouldn't have to just rely on one technology or the other to get us food. Mm-hmm. And exactly. it shouldn't cost people, you know, their livelihoods, their culture, their traditions, um, or their ways of life that involve making money and earning earning a living. Mm-hmm. So... There's so many more conversations that have to take place, I think, as Dr. Yadira mentioned, with so many different communities before this is even, you know, an equitable reality in Canada. We're really grateful to have had the opportunity to speak on Cell Egg because it's a really unspoken field right now um, in Alberta, in Canada in general. And... Yeah, thank you so much for listening. So I guess we'll see what the future holds with Cell Egg. From Petri Dish to our plate, we're excited to see where it goes. Mm-hmm. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Terra Informa is a production of CJSR 88.5 FM and all our content is created by a team of volunteers. 
This week's episode was an audio documentary written and produced by Megan Posluzny and Jenny Kim, participants of the University of Alberta's Community Service Learning Program. Thank you to Dr. Yadira Tejada Saldana for her contributions to this episode. You can reach us for comments or questions via email, terrainforma at cjsr.com, or message us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at terrainforma. For previous Terra Informa episodes, you can check out our website, terrainforma.com, or listen wherever you get your podcasts. As always, a special shout out to the Community Service Learning Program for partnering with CJSR. If you'd like to hear previous audio documentaries aired on Terra Informa, we've linked a few in the show notes for you to check out. Catch you next week right here on Terra Informa.